part of the dairy or the meat. So, <laughs> yeah, right, right. I hear what you're saying. Um, but you know, it's having all the stuff is what really drives us crazy. That's funny, right? No, no, no. That's just cleaning it up. Like moving everything is like it's the challenge. Moving everything out and bringing everything in. Got it. Okay. All right. I think we're live. Going live on uh, Facebook, and of course we're already live on Zoom, and we're already live in person, which is good. So we've got we're in three places at once. And um, my wife sure would like it if I could be in four places at once and be home uh, helping to clean too at the same time. But alas, <laughs> alas, that's not going to happen. But uh, like I said, the trick is to make sure that the first time you help, you do a really bad job and uh, you're kicked out of the kitchen. That's, that's the only way to do it. Uh, one more second. I got to share one more of these posts over here. Um, Give me a moment here. Okay, one more share. Okay, so good evening, everybody. It's good to see you as always. And tonight we are going to start. Uh, so good evening to those of you who are here live and to those of you who will be listening in the recording. Uh, you're all appreciated. And uh, we have quite a few people listening to the recording afterwards. So therefore, um, be aware of that, of course. Um, we have to start with a joke. And uh, I've said these jokes before because there's not that many great password jokes. They're kind of very deflated jokes. They just uh, don't hold any air. Uh, you know, I just have trouble, you know, getting too many up and, uh, you know, up and going. But <laughs> um, either way, how many pharaohs does it take to change the light bulb? Um, no. <laughs> Technically only one, but he won't let it go. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> all right this is a really bad one um what is uh, what is passive or cheese called the cheese you eat on passover what's it called the cheese you said the, yeah the cheese you eat on passover what's it called oh, okay. huh? mozzarella yeah good good okay <laughs> oh my gosh and um think of it huh well, finally, I'll leave with one more. What's the difference between matzo and the cardboard box that it comes in? Huh? I didn't hear it. What's the difference between matzo and the cardboard box that it comes in? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? Well, no, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the matzo doesn't leave any crumbs. Okay, anyways. All right, it's, it's a kind of a reverse joke. Um, but either way, let's... Today we want to discuss a little bit of practical, a little bit of meaning. Um, every year as we get to this very difficult work of getting ready for Passover, we want to inspire ourselves because it's very difficult and you're like, I'm doing it again this year. And sometimes you may realize that you've actually been doing too much. That may be part of the reason why Passover has been so difficult. And therefore you have to come to understand that maybe the reason why it is so difficult is because you are actually doing too much and you don't have to clean every single last nook and cranny. At the same time, sometimes what you think is clean, what you, you know, the places that you're cleaning, you're totally missing out an important area. Just an example, this is the first year of many years that we decided to shampoo the salt shares and the guy who did it, uh, you should uh, use him and he was Magic Steamer Tampa Bay. Uh, he found tons of uh, like crumbs stuck in the chairs. Now mind you, nobody's supposed to be eating on these chairs, yet they're full of crumbs. 
So um, the chairs are uh, uh, something to clean. You know, you, we spend so much time crawling under our beds, we forget that our dining room chairs maybe should be wiped down too. Let's get to some inspiration and some idea. Why are we going so crazy about the chametz, the search and destroy mission? Does anybody know why are we going so crazy about the chametz? Because if you have possession of it, your car is. All right, I was going for something simpler. Oh. All right, it, very simple. It's going to be annoying because God said so. Okay, is that, uh, is that exciting, right? <laughs> because God said so. We get rid of the chametz. Chametz is any love and bread because God said so. What is the meaning behind getting rid of the chametz? This is an idea we've spoken about before. The chametz, what's the difference? What's the basic difference between chametz and matzah? What's the basic difference? Uh, hopefully you know the difference because otherwise you're wasting your time cleaning your house. What's the difference between chametz and matzah? One has leaven, the other one doesn't. What, what do you mean leaven? One has agents to rise it up and the other one doesn't very good so physically the physical difference is one is rising and one is not what right. does that mean for us spiritually is spiritually something that's rising something that's puffing up reflects ego flat represents humility and so when it comes pesach we have to have it's it's the holiday of bringing humility into our lives we call it the holiday of freedom and freedom can be from a pharaoh, but there's a pharaoh inside of you, the pharaoh that wants to hold you slave to your many desires. And usually our pharaoh really holds us a slave to our own self-image. And so whether it is a business dispute we have with somebody, whether it is uh, with our spouse, whether it is with our kids, it's mostly you can trace back almost every problem in your life back to your ego. Ego mm -hmm. also feeds expectations. And so therefore, the holiday of Pesach, which is a holiday of freedom, is a holiday where we celebrate getting rid of our ego. And so we search and destroy. We spend all this time searching and destroying it. So we have to remember, this is the first thing I'm going to share with you, is that as we spend our time searching for the Chomet and spending all that time trying to get rid of it, to also remind ourselves to get rid of our ego, to uh, bring a little bit of humility into our lives. And it's ironic, kind of, a lot of families today they go away to these hotels for the whole Pesach. So what do they do? They just leave their house, they lock it up, then they spend an extravagant uh, holiday at a uh, hotel, which is nice. Um, but the, I think the physical actions of not getting rid of the chametz also may remind, you know, take away from the reminder that it's a time to, you know, the, the hard work, it's a time to get rid of our ego. And so whether you are going to a hotel or not, I'm not condemning going to hotels, and uh, truthfully, if you're staying home and you're cleaning the chametz, you can also get a little caught up. We have to remind ourselves there's always a physical and a spiritual component to everything we're doing. There's the story of the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe. He had a studio or one-bedroom apartment. And the night before Pesach, when we do the Badikas chametz, when we search for the chametz one final night, and I'm sure he was cleaning all the week before. And mind you, they didn't have as much food as we have today. I'm sure he didn't have so many crumbs everywhere. Um, nevertheless, it says he spent an entire night searching a one-bedroom apartment for the chametz. So what does that mean? It obviously means not just physically, but spiritually searching and destroying the chametz within inside of himself. And surely we have a lot more chametz inside of ourselves. And so keep that in mind as you're uh, working, working hard. And that 
Well, hard work has the ability, when you work hard for a mitzvah, has the ability to bring a little bit of humility into your life. So that's just a little bit of meaning behind searching the chametz. But the, the basic reason why we search for the chametz is because God said so. So what does God say? So it's interesting. But let me back up a moment. Why do we go so crazy for chametz and Pesach and not as crazy for, let's say, something that's treif, something that's not kosher? Uh, why is it that for Chametz and Pesach, we uh, go a little more crazy? Any, anybody knows? Yes? Yes? Okay, and it says in, in the Torah that if you have the Chametz on Pesach, then you get you get cut off spiritually. Right, so it says, on, it says in the Torah, if you have any uh, Chametz in your possession, that you will get cut off spiritually. So what that means is, that although generally non-kosher, you're allowed to own, so somebody gifts you with pork, don't just make sure you don't eat it, right? Or if somebody gives you a uh, football, pigskin, right? Okay. However, when it comes to chametz on Pesach, we are not allowed to own it at all. And in fact, there are eight commandments given about Passover, and they are like this. Number one is not to eat any chametz from the 14th day. Uh, and on, okay? So what day is Pesach? It's the 15th day of the month, okay? So already from the 14th day at midday, that is Erev Pesach, which this year is Friday, you are not allowed to have any chametz. So that last bowl of Cheerios is not Friday afternoon. It has to be Friday morning. Commandment number two, and this is where it gets tricky. Not only can you not eat it, it says we have to destroy all chametz from the our possession from midday. So what that means is if let's say you're going in your house on uh, let's say the third day of Pesach and you find a loaf of bread, you will have to destroy it. How do you destroy it? Well, best way is through fire. Number three, commandment number three is you shall not see any chametz in your possession. There's a lot of discussion what that means. Can you see it if it's not yours? Um, I actually saw a very interesting debate this year. Can you rent out an Airbnb to a non-religious Jew on Pesach, knowing that they'll bring chametz into your possession. It's an interesting discussion. Uh, number four. Now, by the way, this saying that you cannot see chametz, it means Jewish chametz, which means um, if you own chametz, okay, obviously, if I own chametz, I have to destroy it. But let's say even you own chametz and you leave it in my house, that's, that's no good. Or if you sell it, but you can still see it? Or if you sell, but you can still see it, you may not technically be uh, the, the, the biblical prohibition, but it's a bad idea because you may come to eat it very easily. Um, you still not ha own any chametz, so that means it, even let's say I have, there's no risk I'm going to eat it because my chametz is in Australia and I am in America. Nevertheless, I cannot own any chametz on Pesach. So this brings up to, into question if you own stock in certain companies, is that is that a problem on Pesach? Um, huh? I don't think so. We're not eating that. Right, but not only not, allowed, you to own it, it. not, allowed, not allowed to own it. That's not the difference it. between kosher food and... Uh, so if you own stock in Starbucks and they have uh, cinnamon buns of Pesach, is that okay? So I believe I believe you follow who the principal owner of it is. And if the principal owner is not Jewish, I think it's okay. Uh, you're not considered owning the, the bread in the company, but I will double check if you do own 
specific stocks. Isn't Eric Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, isn't he Jewish? Yeah, I think so there was wait, a specific so- Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, by the way, certain companies that are owned by Jews, well, He's the owner. How much does he own today? Oh, true. Yeah. Or founder, that's a whole other yeah. discussion. Founder, you know, that's a whole other Rabbi, discussion. I don't understand if you're saying that selling the Hamas fixes that. It doesn't. Well, you're saying you're selling your stocks. I well, mean, then you, then you, then you should, but then you should put your stocks in your, uh, in your sale of summits form, I guess. Right. That's what I was thinking. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't know. I, not, not to mind. I don't own. That was a question. I don't own any specific stocks. I don't really know. I don't either. I can't say I looked into right. it. I probably should. Uh, <laughs> class over here. That's but, okay. Um, we'll ask you next year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait. That, no, that's kind we, of important because I never heard. I never heard this, but I'm now really, concerned because I do have a stocks, but specific ones. Uh, recently, I I actually did look into owning stocks like McDonald's things like that, that could be a bigger problem all year round <laughs> because there is, there is a prohibition, not just, so there are very few things that are, that are forbidden from benefiting. In other words, I can own non-kosher, I can sell non-kosher, but if it's not kosher, that is a mixture of meat and milk, which by the way, it's not so simple selling non-kosher, but that's a whole nother discussion, but a mixture of meat and milk is forbidden to benefit from using stock mm-hmm. and McDonald's can be problematic too. Okay. Uh, there's a whole discussion about it being an Uber Eats driver for uh, non-culture food. It's not so simple either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just my sign. There's a prohibition against doing business with non-culture food because you may eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so I, I don't have any food. You don't have any food? No, not, I don't <laughs> have any stocks or anything on food. <laughs> okay. Um, by the way, one way, if, if we're all worried over here, I mean, one way to, to combat inflation is if we all just don't eat. So then we can. Uh, <laughs> what a good uh, idea. I right. wish. Impossible yeah, yeah. for Jews. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, there goes that plan, right? Okay. Um, can I fill up my uh, gas tank with matzo? Does that, that going to work? <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> or the corn. That's funny. Whatever, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, wait, can we pump gas on Pesach and benefit from gas then? Because uh, it's <laughs> alcohol, right? There was yeah. a discussion about that. A lot of products today have alcohol in them. Uh, can you own them on Pesach? We'll get to that too. Okay. There's also oh, prohibition cool. of eating things that are mixed with chametz. There's also a prohibition oh. of eating matzah on, sorry, not a prohibition. There's a positive commandment to eat matzah on the 15th on the night of the Seder. I spoke about that last week. And finally, there's a mitzvah to tell the story of Mitzrayim on the night of Pesach, okay? So what we've got to is- I have a question, Rabbi. Yes. <clears throat> Let's say I have an establishment. Yeah. Um, and I do, that people bring food ab- aboard. <clears throat> yes. Should I sell the establishment for the Pesach time during Pesach? Right. So I discussed earlier um, about somebody has an Airbnb. If you have an Airbnb and you even know a Jewish person is renting from it and he's bringing in chametz, is that allowed? And the ultimate answer was, if it's not part of the contract, in other words, he's not saying I am renting your house so I can bring chametz in it, then... Mm. His food is totally his business and it's not yours at all. So similarly, if he's renting a boat from you 
and he's going to bring his own food. The food is not part of the contract. That's his own thing. You can say he's uh-huh. allowed to bring food on it, but the specific type of food is his own business. And so it's not owned by you. You have no responsibility for it. That's another place. If you have responsibility for that food, that becomes a problem. No. So if a Gentile wants to give you food and say, hey, watch my bread for me. If you were responsible for that bread, that would be definitely be a problem. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So now that we've discussed, we have all these issues. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. So now that we've discussed, we have all these issues. We should not own chametz. We should not uh, see chametz. We have to destroy the chametz. So all of this leads us to the many, many different things that we do to mitigate all these problems. The first thing we do chronologically is we clean our house, clean house. You got to clean your house. That is the first step of get of, of, of taking care of all these prohibitions, clean your house, particularly you clean anywhere where there may be a possibility of bread. Okay. Which means technically you don't need to clean your shower unless you have a baby like I do who will crawl with food in his mouth anywhere in the house. But you know, you don't, you don't need to clean your, sh- well, it wasn't so cute, but yes. Uh, <laughs> All right. That's the first step. And I'll get into cleaning in a moment, details and cleaning. The other thing you're going to have to do in addition to cleaning is koshering. Okay, this is a step of cleaning. What does that mean, koshering? Kosherizing. Because your kitchen has absorbed chametz flavor, even assuming you've cleaned it, okay, you've scrubbed everything down, you cannot cook in your kitchen because your kitchen has the absorbed flavor of chametz. And therefore, you're going to have to spend time kosherizing your kitchen, okay? So we discussed you need to do cleaning. You need to do kosherizing, which is a step in cleaning. It's taking out the embedded flavors. And we will discuss, again, details of that, but I'm going over a general overview of all the things you have to do to stay away from all the Passover problems. Cleaning um, and koshering, okay? The other thing we're going to do is Okay, so you clean your house, you want to get rid of all your chametz, but you have lots of boxes of pasta, you have some nice breads, you have a leftover cake from your wedding, I don't know, whatever it is that you have in your house. So now you don't want to get rid of all of it, not to mention all your pots and pans, so you can put it all away, you tape it up, and you sell it to the rabbi. Very important to make sure you fill out that bill of sale, which means ultimately you're authorizing me to sell your chametz which therefore your chametz is owned by a non-Jew over Pesach. Nevertheless, you should seal up your chametz, but it's very important to sell it because if you don't sell it, then after Pesach, you will have to throw out all of your chametz, which is something you don't want to do. So we have cleaning, culturizing, selling. And finally, we discussed, there is a, well, we didn't discuss, there is a rabbinic mitzvah to search for chametz, okay? It's a mitzvah of the rabbis. In other words, even if you just moved into a hotel, you moved into a home, you've only eaten matzah there, you know you've only eaten matzah, it's a rabbinic commandment to search for chametz. So the night before Pesach, from the, when the stars come out, we have to start to search for the chametz within our house. Again, it's a rabbinic commandment. And we make a blessing. Baruch Hashem, I believe it's a blessing. I should have looked this up before, but yes. Um, so we make a blessing for checking for the chametz because it's a rabbinic commandment. What if you are traveling the night before Pesach and you will not be returning to your home during Pesach? 
well, then some people say you don't need to check your house. You can check a place where you're going to go. And there's a discussion exactly how do you deal with it? Um, how do you fulfill the mitzvah? In other words, there's both a mitzvah possibly on your house and there's a mitzvah on the place where, you, where you're going to be. Well, I should say there's a mitzvah on you and there's a mitzvah on your house. So generally, you should check your home even if you're not going to be there. You just check it and you see everything that's there and you say, well, it's all being sold. Okay, great job. However, if you're checking any night besides the night before Pesach, you don't make a bracha. If you're traveling somewhere for the first, uh, the night before Pesach, there are ways to check there and make a bracha or rely on owner there. If you plan on traveling for um, before the first night of Pesach, let me know. What I mean is, like this here's Friday night of Pesach, if you're going to be traveling before Thursday night, let me know. We'll discuss the case and figure out exactly to fulfill this forbidden commandment of checking. I want to mention checking really applies to anywhere where you have ownership. So that will apply to your business. That will apply to your car. Okay, so the night of Pesach, when you check your house, you should also go out to your car. I would highly advise not to bring the candle into the car. Okay, although uh, we'll discuss you can use candles, but uh, please don't bring a candle into the car and then blame it on the rabbi. So we discussed cleaning, kosherizing, checking. Now we're going to discuss a fascinating mechanism in which we make sure we don't have any chametz, and that is called bitul. Bitul means I say any chametz that I may own is not mine. I am making it nullified. It is not, I, it's ownerless. And this is an important step because let's say you searched and you sold, but you found a piece of bread somewhere. You want to make it ownerless because every moment you own it on Pesach is a problem. And so there are two times we do this nullification. Once is at night after we check for the chametz. Over there we say any chametz that I know about, sorry, that I don't know about, forget which way it goes, right? To look at the uh, Haggad over here. Uh, anyways, there, there's one nullification you do at night. The next day, after the burning of the chametz, which we're going to get to in a moment, you do another nullification where you say any chametz that I know and any chametz that I don't know. All chametz, I am uh, making it nullified. So this is another way where we've mitigated our possibility of transgressing these transgressions. So we have so many mechanisms. Again, we've cleaned, we've kosher, we've sold, we've checked. And now we're also adding additionally, we are um, nullifying anything that we may know about or we may not know about. And the final step that we do is on Friday morning, Erev Pesach, before the time goes out, before it's too late, which by the way, the rabbis moved everything an hour back. So you don't do anything midday, you do it an hour before because the rabbis make sure you don't want to wait till the last minute. Can you imagine the rabbis were worried a Jew would wait till the last minute? Jews are known for being very punctual, right? Okay. So they said, make sure you do it exactly. Um, you know, they say, what happens when you mix? Well, let's, let's make fun of Chabad this time. If you mix a Chabadnik, and, you know, the German Jews were known to be very punctual. You get somebody who's always exactly five minutes late. Anyways, so um, so that is the last step is you burn the chametz and there's a blessing for that. Even it, so this is why a lot of people are careful. They put out 10 pieces of bread the night before and then they have something to burn the next day. All of these are steps both in the spiritual and the physical. That is also why spiritually it's a great idea to do all these steps because all these steps uh, have a spiritual component to them um, 
the, all these different ways of getting rid of your ego. When we think about it, our ego, we have to deal with it many different ways to mitigate the issues from our ego. There's not a one size fits all. Uh, some parts of our ego need to be burnt up. Some parts of our ego need to be put away for a little bit. We'll put it aside. Some parts of our ego need to be nullified. It doesn't need, you know, the heavy duty burning. And some parts of our ego um, can be elevated at a certain point. Maybe we sell, we put it away, we bring it back after Pesach. That's in fact, you know, if we're talking about matzah's idea of getting rid of ego, so then why don't we eat matzah all year round? Why do we eat chal afterwards? And the answer is because there's an idea called self-concept. In other words, a good ego, if you might want to call it that. After we sell, after we celebrate Pesach, we nullify ourselves. Then we bring. You don't want to be a nobody, so to speak. God needs people who are nobodies. He needs people who are somebodies. So therefore, we have to make sure that after Pesach, we reawaken and reinvigorate ourselves, and make sure that uh, we do. We have self-respect. We have self-respect, and that's um, the idea of the Chala, is that we have self-respect. It's not an ego anymore, but it's a, a good and healthy self-concept and a good and healthy uh, view of ourselves and our mission in this world. Okay. So we had the many, many different steps to get rid of the chametz, And now let's get to them in detail. So again, we said we're going to clean. We're going to kosher. We're going to sell. We're going to check. We're going to nullify. And we're going to burn. Now, I know it's a lot of steps, and that's why we talk about it every year, because it's very easy to miss one of them, and uh, especially the burning and the nullification is one a lot of people miss, and some of these people forget about the sale, so make sure you get all of those done. Uh, the nullification is written in the Haggadah. You can find the language for it in the Haggadah. It is written in Aramaic. If you do not understand Aramaic, please do not say it in Aramaic. It is a very important legal text. And therefore, you must be saying it in a language that you understand. So let us, any questions or comments? I haven't really gotten into detail about uh, all these different items yet. But any questions or comments? Is this, is this lesson? Wait. Yes, I'm listening. Is this lesson going to be in Facebook as well? Like later, like you can like look uh, for it. Yeah. You can. I also upload it onto YouTube, and I, it will also be on my podcast, Think Jewish, so you can find it anywhere you listen. That's what all the podcasters say, right? I got it right here. Find it. Yeah. Like, like, comment, and subscribe, and find it anywhere you listen, right? Okay. Anyways, all right. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not doing this to become rich. This podcast is it's, it's really just a great way of, it's a great tool to, uh, to uh, disseminate the classes in a free manner. It's free hosting and all that so uh kudos to all those who um, make money off of it and allow this tool to spread torah for free okay so let's talk about the cleaning and i'll start off first with a story which will help give you some meaning and the story is of rabbi levi yitzhak of radichev and rabbi levi yitzhak of radichev was once praying on yom kippur and he was praying and praying and he was known as the great um oh sorry i think it was rosh hashanah actually and it was the great uh, defender of Israel. He was known for being a great defender of Israel. And he was, he was having trouble defending the Jewish people. And finally he came back and he told his colleagues that I, I told God that in honor of the Jewish people who scratch and they scrape and they clean and all that hard work that they do for cleaning the chametz, 
And that's just standing good merit for them. So it's interesting that the merit of chametz is what helps us on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, because honestly, it's the biggest backbreaking labor. It's the hardest, I would say, thing that we do the entire year. So we should look at this as a wonderful opportunity where we can work so hard to connect to God. Okay. So specifics about cleaning. And I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again, is that cleaning, they say dust is not chametz and your children or your wife is not a slave. And what that means is that uh, you don't have to dust, dust mites and not chametz. And uh, you should clean dust in your house, but there's already enough work cleaning for the chametz. Don't worry about that. So what all that means practically is you only have to clean in places, A, where it's possible the chametz would have gotten to. Or sorry, likely. You only have to clean in likely places. Don't forget, we did, we're doing all these other things to mitigate just in case there is an unknown chametz. Okay, we're going to nullify it too. But if you know you don't eat in your bathroom, you don't need to check it for chametz. Now, it's possible you might have an oat shampoo or something, which you might have to put away. Okay, one of those oat or oatmeal shampoos, that's definitely a problem. But uh, aside from that, um, you really don't have to. You really, <laughs> you really don't get live entertainment. You really don't have to check your. Who was that? Don't worry. You really don't have to check your. That's all I am. You don't like my singing. Okay. All right. I'm joking. Okay. Um, so you don't have to clean anywhere which you're selling is another thing. Okay. Anything that you're selling, you don't need to clean. So a lot of the cabinets which people clean for Pesach are really the ones that they're selling anyways. So why spend the time? Um, any toys? Toys very often do need to be cleaned, uh, especially if they have cracks and crevices. Um, you can choose to sell some of your toys and have Passover-only toys. That's a choice that you can do. Now, books, if you read books on your table, definitely go through the books that you read on your table. Um, some books you might want to sell, some books that can get very dirty, like benchers, um, uh, the, the kiddush cups they use all year, things like that. Uh, you should have a dedicated uh, Passover kiddush cups and stuff. Clothing. If you wash your clothing, even if it had crumbs, it will most likely become nullified. However, if you bring this dry, uh, sorry, uh, if you if you put poison into food, it becomes it's not it's considered not edible and therefore it's not a problem anymore. However, some clothing just uh, check your pockets. It's always a good idea. Um, so if we fumigate our house, we don't have to clean it? Say that again? So if we fumigate our house, we don't have to clean it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is, it, is, that, is that for termites? Is that what you do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just make, yeah. It, make the food poison. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the nuclear option, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Fumigate your house. That's a good idea. So um, if you want, I can drop off a box of termites at your house and uh, you'll have a good reason to do it, right? I never thought about that, right? That's uh, that's a good idea. Okay, uh, but you have to wait a couple weeks so you can get back in, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I don't I don't know if it's worth it. Um, all right. Any chametz that you cannot reach, you don't have to do anything about it. So uh, there's probably chametz stuck in the walls over here, right? If it gets under the Somehow it gets under the baseboard, it's stuck somewhere. If it's anywhere that your hand cannot reach, 
you don't have to check it for Hamas. And, uh, you know, today a lot of people are going places with uh, long toothpicks or stuff. It's not necessary. If you can't reach it, if the human hand can't reach it, it's not a problem. And if you're really worried, just spray some Lysol on it or something that will make it um, not a problem anymore. So say behind the fridge. I want to mention, by the way, toys. What? To say behind the fridge. Behind the fridge. So you don't have to worry about pulling your fridge out. Um... <laughs> If you don't typically do it, you don't have to. I would still do it. Yeah. If you if it's easy, if it's not easy, like my refrigerator is not. In some homes, the refrigerator comes out easy. Mine, I remember, it's like uh, I think you have to take up the doors to get in and out. So, uh, if you have one of those, no, I wouldn't bother. But yeah, technically, you don't have to move the refrigerator if it's not something you move under the dishwasher or other places like that. Correct. Um, any, by the way. Be careful also household items that may be chametz. Some people have maybe like these spice boxes around the houses or oatmeal, kids' projects. Play-Doh, by the way. Play-Doh is really flour and water. Play-Doh is chametz. I would already stop your kids from playing with Play-Doh now because that stuff can get stuck anywhere. I Rabbi, would yes. Question. Yes. Uh, I understand why Hanukkah is eight days. Yes. I even understand why Sukkot the yes. number of days the number of days why is pesach eight days when it was only one day before the you know the night before they left it was pesach all right the, the answer is good question the answer is that the jewish people left egypt on the first day of pesach and they crossed the sea on the seventh day okay mm -hmm. so it is all considered one uh, layer of exodus uh, okay until okay. they really crossed the sea they weren't fully free only once they saw the egyptians dead was where they considered fully free good question we do eight days because of the rabbis those uh -huh. rabbis are at it again right okay. <laughs> those pesky rabbis <laughs> those pesky rabbis right Rabbi, um, i have a quick question yes. Uh, yes. if i'm going to walmart uh should i avoid the area where there is uh, the baked bread uh on the shelves the one you, you can, I, I would not, I wouldn't get close to it, but you can walk by it. It's not a problem. Okay. I would say, I would say, be careful of your shopping cart. Yes, I oh, wouldn't buy it. Right? Or, I wouldn't yes. put, I wouldn't put fruits down in the shopping cart and then put it on the conveyor belt and then put it on your counter in your house. Oh yes. Right. Right. Be careful right. about that. Okay. okay. Let's talk about important places where you do have to clean. Okay, I mentioned toys you have to be careful about. There's another thing people don't think about, which is their phone. Our phones can be full of chametz. Um, maybe you could put them in one of those boxes that they have nowadays, you know, for COVID, killing COVID or something. Maybe those work too. I don't know. Uh, but kitchen, refrigerators. A lot of people don't think about refrigerators. You have hot chametz in there. Well, you shouldn't put hot food in your refrigerator, but many people do, or your freezer. Um, Many people have a custom to not only clean their refrigerator, but also to put layers, maybe a layer of silver of saran wrap or something in your refrigerator so your food is not touching directly on the shelf. You don't have to, but it would be a nice idea. Um, stoves, um, there are ways of co coasterizing. Well, I'm going to mix coastering and cleaning over here, but stoves, um, let's talk about cleaning for a moment. A lot of those glass tops, they can get very dirty. You can try cleaning as best as you can. Worst case scenario, you put some chemicals on it, it becomes not a problem. I did find this year a glass top stove cover, so which means that you can create an extra layer 
between your pot and your stovetop. So you can buy it online. You can cook on top of this cover. It's pretty cool. It's uh, by a company called Lomi, Lomi Stovetop Covers. And uh, however, I would chat with them because I ordered it like a month ago and it came like two weeks, uh, you know, a week ago or something. So uh, I would chat with them, make sure they're shipping it out right away. Lomi Stovetop Covers. Some people have those uh, circle ones. You can, you have to pick them up and go on the inside. There's usually lots and lots of hummets on the inside of those. Um, your, your ovens, if you just put it on self-clean, that will clean up any hummets that's in there. Um, and a lot of people have a custom to do a lot in addition to cleaning and kosherizing. They cover different areas that may have a lot of hummets on it. Something people forget about is also all the knobs, maybe the knobs in your oven or uh, the knobs elsewhere. Uh, chairs and tables, you should uh, definitely do a wipe down on those. Um, a lot of chairs have like lips where you can get a lot of uh, stuff stuck in there. I don't know that you can reach it very well, but at the very least, spray some poisonous, non-organic, unhealthy spray inside of there. Uh, something that's non-biodegradable. You know, it could be biodegradable, I don't know if it will be, but uh, I guess something that's poisonous because that's really the idea. Um, a lot of people have accustomed to do shampooing their carpets. If you want to do that, if you have kids, if they get you know, stuck with a lot of stuff again, I mentioned magic steamers at Tampa Bay. Um, out uh, garbage cans is something people forget about. Garbage cans can be a problem. Um, if you if you're renting it from the garbage company, then technically, if you leave it out on the curb the entire Pesach, then you can probably put garbage bags inside of it because it's not your, well, you're renting it. Um, personally, I think the best thing is just uh, pour some bleach in your garbage can and uh, be happy, merry-go-lucky. I would say a couple days before Pesach, any garbage you need to throw out, maybe just put out in bags if they'll take it like that. Otherwise, you'll have to clean it. Garbage day, at least by us, is Thursday. So you'll have to clean it on Thursday or something. Um, that's another problem, by the way. What if you have chametz and you put it in a garbage bag on Thursday morning, um, right? So they take the garbage Thursday morning. There's one, one thing you can do is call up your garbage company, ask them if they can do a special run on Friday morning. Another thing you can do is take it in the bag, put it on the curb. And of course, you're going to do the bitul. You're going to nullify it. And so it's not yours anymore. And anybody can take that bag. So when the garbage company comes on Monday, uh, it's theirs. Okay. Um, Cars, I mentioned cars. Cars are an important one to clean. So please uh, clean out your cars, bring it to one of those professional companies. Today, there are also companies that will come to your house to do cleaning of your car. If you really don't have the time, that's all a great idea. I want to mention that kidneyos, us Ashkenazim don't eat kidneyos, which is legumes, beans, rice, corn. Although we don't eat them on Pesach, they do not need to be sold and uh, they are not a problem. Um, how about medicines and shampoos and conditioners, um, cleaners, cleaning agents, all these things. There's different opinions out there. Some say medicines, any medicine you can take. Some people say, no, you should check the list for a medication list. Uh, I would say obviously any medication that's really, really necessary for you, you should take. If it's not super necessary, maybe it's a vitamin, a supplement, unless you can find it on a list, I would not take it over the holiday of Pesach. Um, also, any any anything that would go near your mouth, so listerine, so like mouthwash, or um, make you know makeup on your on your lips. What what's that called? Um, whatever they call lipstick. Yeah, lipstick. That thing or chapstick. 
Um, any of those types of things, you should be careful. Make sure it's not chametz. I mentioned earlier, if you have any oat, well, you know, oat shampoos or, or, or bath things, uh, definitely don't have them. Also, change your toothbrush. If you have a water pick, I wouldn't use it over Pesach, even though it's highly unlikely that it has any chametz on it. After all, that thing can blast chametz from a mile away. But still, I, you know, just, just don't use it. Just use regular floss over Pesach. Um, there are different opinions about generally shampoos and soaps. You have to check it. There are tons of lists out there you can download. Um, my opinion is you can be lenient on anything that won't go in your mouth. However, some, and I personally am more strict, anything that will go on your body directly. So not like cleaning agents or, or any shampoos I'm not going to use, but any shampoo or soap that I am going to use on Pesach, I do check it on the list to make sure that it is on a list that's kosher for Pesach. Particularly, we spoke about alcohols. There's a lot of alcohols and a lot of uh, deodorants. A lot of the deodorants could have a problem. There's a lot of debate around it. A lot of them have denatured alcohol, um, which means alcohol has gone bad if that's such a thing or something. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but... Uh, uh, you have so uh, there's not so many deodorants, aerosol deodorants, I should say, that are on the list. So I would check some lists if you want. Um, there's great apps you can download. One app is called Blumenkrantz. There's also a Star K app. Those are both paid. Uh, again, Star K and Blumenkrantz, two guides that you can download. And uh, if you don't find what you want in one, you can find it in the other. And um, Another place to check is pets. Pets is an important one we can discuss, and I'm not going to get into detail, but you have to make sure that your pet food is kosher or passiver. It is very hard to find, so think about it now, pet food. I also want to mention backpacks. Backpacks, your kids' backpacks, something often forgotten, or car seats. Car seats is a big deal. Got to clean all of that. Um, computer, computer um, keyboards. keyboards. Some say, well, you can't really reach it, but I would... You know, if you're going to type on it and you're going to be eating over Pesach, and today we use our computers a lot, I would say at the very least, you buy those air sprays. Uh, they, they have these uh, pressurized electronic air pressurized air cans and just spray it and try and clean out whatever's in there. Um, I want to mention one more thing. Some people are careful not to use certain types of paper on Passover because it may have kidneyos in it with the starch. Similar to your shirts, uh, might, might get some kidneyos in it with starch, some, maybe chametz, something to be aware of. Uh, to be careful about. So that is all I really covered um, cleaning. And uh, I was supposed to get to the Seder today, but I don't think I'm going to get to it because I want to I want to keep keep uh, keep us up only to 830. So just a couple more minutes here, but I want to take any questions on cleaning before I go to coasterizing. Any questions on cleaning? Nope. It's all uh, it's all fairly obvious. This thing is frozen here. Yeah. Okay. Anybody has uh, specific questions on cleaning? No. Okay. All right. Hopefully, I didn't push you all. Can to I say. ask a real quick question? Okay. Uh, this the chametz, the cleaning, the removal of chametz is inside four walls, like a car, a home. So if you have like, um, sometimes I take the, the tablecloth and and shake it outside in the yard. So the crumbs are there. So you can't get rid of those. Is that I mean, right? Good point. All right. So outdoor areas, correct. If you if you do it outdoors and you're nullifying, it's not a problem. Oh right. You're yeah. nullifying. Assuming yeah. you're not feeding your pets. One quick story about cleaning. There was a story of 
I believe the fifth Chabad Rebbe, he had a, a I think it was the fifth Chabad Rebbe, I forget which one, he had a student who would not eat at his Rebbe's table on Pesach. Now, generally, you should know, a lot of people have different uh, chumras on Pesach, and so they may not eat at their friends on Passover. So somebody tells you they're not going to eat at your house on Passover, it says don't hold a grudge against them. Everybody has their own mishigas, <coughs> their own craziness. So somebody doesn't want to eat, eat at your house, that's okay. So he, but however, uh, your Rebbe, hopefully you should trust, okay? That's a, so a different story. So this chassid, his father was Rebbe, he would not go to his Rebbe's house for Pesach. Uh, because he said he was so, so super strict. And uh, so one day he stops by his Rebbe's soul or home or whatever on Pesach, whatever, just to say hello. And the Rebbe tells him, check your water barrel. He was so machmer, he was so careful, he wouldn't trust any water that would come on Pesach. He would get specific water barrels before Pesach. He would check them all uh, to make sure he had kosher Pesach water the whole Pesach. So he went to his house, he looked at the bottom of his barrel, and lo and behold, there was a grain of wheat, which obviously means everything was chametz. So he runs back to his rebbe and he starts crying. What happened to me? Why did God do this to me? I'm so careful. And he says, listen, you, a person themselves cannot get rid of all their chametz. It's not possible as a human being to get rid of all your chametz yourself because it's too much. It's all over us. It's everywhere. We have to have a reliance on God. However, you who wouldn't even come to your own rebbe's home, that means you were not relying on God. You were relying fully on yourself. And so if you're relying on yourself and you take God out of the picture, there's no way that you could have a kosher Passover. And so that's one thing for us to remember is that, first of all, we, we, we human beings can only do what we can do. Then we have to rely on God. And uh, that, that can also help to bring peace in the house and not to drive our families crazy when we're cleaning for Pesach. The other thing that that mentions to us is, of course, also in our spiritual lives and in in getting rid of our ego is that um, our ego is a very difficult thing. And so just generally in our spiritual life and in our life of Torah mitzvahs, we have to do what we can do, do our best. And for the rest, we have to rely on God. We have to do what we can do and making ourselves better people, but we have to rely the rest on God. Let's talk a little bit about kosherizing just for a moment or two over here. Um, and I know I, was, I said I was going to talk about the Seder, but I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. So that is what it is. Um, some items are, are... Are you going to be able to do this like tomorrow, maybe? <laughs> talk about the Seder? Yeah. I'll, I'll do it next Wednesday. Okay. It's close to the Seder anyways. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. As far as kosherizing, some things can be kosherized, some things can't, and some things you'll have a difference of opinion whether it can be kosherized or not. Okay. So... Uh, generally, metal is considered kosherable material. The way to kosherize metal, there's two ways. You can either torch it or you can clean it very, very clean, wait 24 hours and expose it to boiling hot water. Um, so the way, uh, same thing applies to uh, most countertops. And so the way you would do your kitchen, best way to kosherize your kitchen for Pesach is you would... Um, clean the counters very well, clean your sink very well, clean everything very well, wait 24 hours of no hot food in the kitchen, and then you pour hot water all over the counters, follow it with a iron, uh, follow with some towels, and voila, you got a kosher kitchen. Important. Rabbi, would steaming work? Important is to make sure that all the areas get covered in hot water. That means if you have a pull-out sink, pull out the sink and pour hot water over it. 
Um, Rabbi, would Steam yes. Can we steam it? Meaning it's. What? Can we use a steamer? What? Can we use a steamer? steamer? Can we use a steamer to coaturize? Yeah, instead of pouring water over it. Because as soon as it hits the countertop, it turns to water anyway. So it comes out hotter than boiling water if it's steamed. As a good rabbi, I'll probably say no, but. <laughs> um, I just really gave you a good argument for it. What? I just gave you a good argument for it. I hear your argument. First of all, by the way, the pot that you coasterize with has to be coasterized first. In general, we don't coasterize with steam. I haven't seen that we do it. I'm not sure why. Maybe that's just ovens. Steam cleaning oven is a problem, but that might be because steam cleaning doesn't get as hot as uh, dry heat. It has to be above the normal temperature that it's used at. What, the, what is? For like cushioning. Yeah. The first thing is like, let's say you want to use a pot to coaturize your kitchen. You first have to boil it over once to coaturize the pot itself. And then you boil it again and you use that water and pour it all over your kitchen. So the item you're kosherizing with first has to be kosherized. I'm not sure what the process would be with a steamer. Can you use a steamer for kosherizing? I, I never thought of it. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I could look into it and, and let you know. Kosherizing with a uh, steamer. Okay. Um, what else did I say? Tablecloths. Um, you can just put on the washing machine. It's okay. Um, stovetops. There's different types of stovetops. Glass stovetop. Everybody says you can coasterize the actual glass. The areas around it is problematic. That's why I said to get these covers. Um, glass. This is a big debate over there. Different opinions. Um, we'll leave it at that. Metal. We said how to do. That's okay. Microwaves. Some people say you put a cup of hot water in the microwave. Do they say that for Passover also? I'm not sure if they say that for Passover. Uh, let's, let's uh, you know, it's all, all, you know, lots of cool different opinions on everything, of course. Um, what else is there in a the kitchen? Dishwashers, I would just not use the dishwa dishwasher. Um, what was I looking for? CRC, right? CRC. And... Um, I covered all the kitchen items. Uh, microwave, right? Microwave, and they say no results found. Okay, I think I think I covered I think I covered pretty much all the coastering. That's the basic coastering. Is there anything else in coastering you have a question about? What about what about the toaster? Like, should I just take down the toaster? The toaster. I always think that. It's just almost nearly impossible to clean that out. Not only it's near impossible to clean out, then, then heating it up to the proper heat will be a problem. So ovens can do a self-clean. Should have mentioned that, but ovens you can do a self-clean. Toaster oven, I, I don't know. Uh, I would not coasterize a toaster oven or a George Foreman. Uh, grills, there's ways to do it. If you really want to bother with it, again, a great resource is getting a CRC coaster app. That can help you with a lot of things. What? I have the ruling on the microwave. What do they say, microwave? Do they say um, the glass plate cannot be uh, clashered, but um, can't thoroughly do not use for 24 hours, then cup of water, etc. But for Passover, it's commendable to um, also cover foods in the microwave even after performing the clashering. Got it. If it has a metal, if it has a metal grate on the inside, that should be clashered in hot water. Um, so in short, it sounds better to stay away from it. 
right? Yes. Okay. So I think we covered, we covered cleaning. We covered costuring. It's pretty much the story. Again, some people will cover everything in their kitchen. In addition to costuring, uh, technically you only have to do one or the other, either clean or cover, but many people have a custom to do both. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, if you want, ask your local Orthodox rabbi. Oh, that's me, but no, seriously, um, ask it as a personal question. It's not a public directive, how strict you're getting in uh, all your different areas. So let's talk about the search. So we spoke about cleaning, koshering. Let's talk about the search because we have just a couple of minutes left for today. And that will bring us pretty much to our Pesach for next week. So the cleaning, sorry, the searching is uh, starts once the stars come out. Kabbalistically, you put out 10 pieces of bread. Very important when you put out the 10 pieces of bread, you should not put them out. Somebody else should put them out if you have. And make sure that that person that puts it out knows exactly where they are. Because if you don't know where they are and you can't find them, and you and, and I'll, I'll make sure your kids are not moving them around, you will have a problem and you will have to overturn your house to find all 10 pieces of bread. Why 10 pieces of bread? Kabbalistically, we are elevating... Um, we are elevating the 10 faculties and powers of our soul. And when I say elevating them, I really mean nullifying them and uh, breaking the ego from all 10 faculties, which your three faculties of intellect and your seven uh, powers of uh, your seven emotions. Um, if you have nobody else to hide your 10 pieces of bread, you may hide them yourself. The reason why we hide 10 pieces of bread, according to halakha, simple law, is um, in case... In case you don't find anything um, that, in case you don't find anything during your search, at least you found that. Okay, so you made a bracha, not in vain. Other important things to mention about the 10 pieces of bread is to make sure they are small pieces of bread. Why? If they are less than a kazayas, that means less than a, than a olive size, a biblical olive, so really just a small little piece then you can nullify them. But if they are too big, they cannot be nullified if you don't find them, that's a problem. Number two, do not, and I repeat, do not wrap these 10 pieces of bread in foil. I know it sounds the easiest, it sounds the smartest. However, the next morning when you will burn your chametz, they will not burn. I, I want to mention one thing, by the way, if you will not have the opportunity to burn chametz because you have to be by work, uh, please do drop it off here. We, will, we can burn it for you if you don't have a choice. We'll burn it for you. Uh, we'll be here burning the chametz here on Friday. Uh, I'd have to check what time exactly, but uh, we will be doing that. So again, so a couple mentions about the 10 pieces of bread you put out. A, make sure they're small. B, wrap them in, in paper. I personally wrap them in a little napkin and tape it closed so that it burns, but it also won't get all, you know, you don't want crumbs going all around the house. That's why you wrap them. Uh, you can also use hard chametz. So it doesn't have to be bread. It can be a hard bagel. It can be um, pita. It can be any type of bread is okay. Um, and again, after you, uh, the custom is you, you wash your hands, you make a blessing and preferably you don't talk any unnecessary talk until you finish the search for the chametz. The best thing to do is to search every single room in the house. We walk around with a feather, a spoon, a, a paper bag, like one of those little lunch bags, um, and a candle. And the reason is a candle is supposed to give off great light at night. Some people use only a beeswax candle. Uh, the feather is to scoop up the chametz into the spoon and we put it into this bag. Why do we still do it nowadays? Uh, tradition, okay, we still do it, but there is mystical meaning to uh, the flower, to the feather, 
the spoon and the candle and the reason is escaping me, but there is mystical meaning to it. That being said, I would say, don't climb under your bed with a, with a, uh, with a candle. Please bring along a flashlight. You can also walk around with a handheld vacuum. I find that no matter how much we clean our houses, I always find stuff on the night of uh, Erev Pesach. So it's a great idea to do the search. Uh, also, again, once you're searching, makes you search your cars, you search pockets, handbags. Oh, I forgot to mention that search handbags or pocketbooks is an important place to check. Synagogues, by the way, or business also has to be checked. Um, um, okay. But again, all this has to be done at night. After you're done checking for the chametz, make sure you burn, sorry, make sure you tie the bag of chametz and you put it up very high. The original reason of Talmudic days was so that the rats wouldn't get it today, so that the kids don't get it, or, or your pets don't get it. So regardless, make sure that that bag doesn't get lost, because if it does get lost, that's going to be a problem. I will end off with this one last thing we do on the morning of Pesach. On the morning of Pesach, for those who are a firstborn or a parent of a firstborn, that means either you are a firstborn yourself, whether to your mother or to your father, or you are a, uh, or you have a son who is a firstborn who is under bar mitzvah. So it's specific to boys of a whore. Uh, there's the fast of the firstborn. And in order to not fast, you would need to come to a siyum, that is where someone is finishing off a tractate of the Talmud. We will have Michael Leibowitz finishing the tractate of a Talmud here on Friday morning at 8.30. So we're going to dive in chakras at 8, and we're going to have the uh, completion at 8.30. We will also do it on Zoom, although, of course, it is much more preferable to be here in person. And then once you hear the siyum, the completion, then you will be allowed to eat. Um, I'll end up with one thing uh, because next week we're going to get into the morning of just you know I'll just finish off with the burning of the chametz and then I'll leave everything else will be about Pesach, will be about Pesach itself. So the final thing we do on Arab Pesach is you have that last curio bowl, bowl of curio and um, during the fifth hour again after uh, after the fifth hour. Um, Thomas becomes a problem, but during the fifth hour, in other words, in other words, midday is after the sixth hour, but rabbinically we move everything back an hour. So during the fifth hour, we need to burn the chametz. What I want to mention is it's a mitzvah to burn the chametz. So a lot of people will pour the, the gasoline stuff to make it burn really well. However, you should only burn it after you, you should only do that after the chametz has been burnt to non-edible state. In other words, if you're pouring the gasoline on it, then the burning is no use. Why? Because you've already made it poisonous. So therefore, you should first let it burn nicely. And then to finish it off, you can pour the gasoline to make sure everything gets finished. But you first start with a lot of paper and a lot of bread and a lot of things that, that can let your summits burn. Do it in a very safe way. Make sure you have water right nearby. Um, I remember, you know, usually I burn the chametz in a foil pan, but I remember when you're, I was some, I was in Poland and they were burning the chametz in a cardboard box. I, I was trying to figure that one out. I'm still, I still haven't figured it out. It was quite the, uh, quite the spectacle. Now, luckily they didn't, they don't have as much grass as we have here, but, uh, quite a story. Many people have the custom to burn a lot of their lulavs or esrogs along with the chametz. Some people will leave at least one lulav in their house for the entire year. 
they say it protects you from um, protects you from uh, fires. Anyways, um, those are really all ideas of getting ready for Pesach. Next week, we're going to speak more about the Seder. And what happens, really, there's that moment. The moment you finish burning the chametz, there's like a moment of calm. It's like, ah, uh, now I can, you know, rest and get ready for the Seder. And, you know, you got another, you got a good eight hours where you can eat some uh, good rainbow cookies or something. Um, and uh, so it's really a peaceful, peaceful moment that, that comes upon the house. And uh, really take that moment to allow yourself to rest and allow your family to rest and make sure that uh, your family is ready for the Seder because they've all been working hard. Make sure your kids get a nap, your spouse gets a nap, make sure everybody can get a nap because the night of the Seder is a wonderful, wonderful time and uh, we wouldn't want to lose it. And um, I want to end off with uh, a statement of the Arizal. And the Arizal says, as somebody who is careful to avoid even a small piece of chametz on the holiday of Pesach is guaranteed not to sin throughout the entire year. So what does that mean? Does that mean if I major in the chametz on Pesach, I can, I can, you know, definitely go out and sin and prove the Arizal wrong? No, the Arizal means like this. It means if you are so careful over chametz on Pesach, your nature will change to the point that you will naturally not be inclined to sin, which means you will face less uh, issues in your life. And that is all because, again, speaking about the, the simple idea, that you're elevating yourself, you're elevating your ego. And uh, through not eating hummus, we elevate our ego, or I should say, uh, bring humility to our ego. And uh, may we all do this difficult work now of cleaning our houses, cleaning our cars, cleaning our places, and uh, creating a hummus free environment uh, between us, our spouses, and everyone else that we know. And uh, there was one story I wanted to say. Uh, where was it? Um, I saved it. This is really my last um, idea. Um, all right, I don't know the story. Um, it is what it is. All right, so thank you all for coming. Next week, we're going to discuss the Seder. Uh, it's going to be a lot less technical, a little more meaning. Uh, this week is a lot of technical questions. No, uh, I mean, so no, so not Sit down for your Seder and really enjoy and understand a little bit of what you're doing. It's going to be next week, Wednesday night. Um, so we look forward to seeing you then. Uh, if you have any more questions, hopefully you do have follow-up questions. Make sure you do them. Hopefully, though today, all I did was just remind you, a bunch of reminders of all the things that you have to do. And it's a lot of stuff, but you can do it. Bob the Builder. Okay. All right. Thank you all. So Rabbi, quick coming. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so I don't own my business. I have an office in the government facility. I just need to clean my office. Do I do a search there? I don't remember. Do I do a search for how much in my office?